We'll take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You know, as, um, as we approached the revival services of last week that turned into a revival, in my heart it did at least, is that uh, um, I was unsure about what we were going to do. I, I had no idea what God would do during that meeting, and I, and I honestly, for the first time that I, that I can recall, I had no idea about where we would go forward on a Sunday morning in our times of uh, um, worship. For you see, Sunday mornings to me, and Brother Hiram, we're glad to have you here today. He would affirm this. These are not just preaching events for us guys. These are times that we share message, that we share vision. It's a journey that we're on as, as we walk this journey that the Lord has put us on. Sunday morning is a time that the pastor has to bring us along the spiritual journey that we go together. Kind of connect the dots. As I was, as I was thinking and praying through this a couple of weeks ago, uh, as I was reading the word came, I just, I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I just had the sense that a new world was coming. It's going to be a new world. And uh, immediately my mind went to the book of Acts and the new things that they saw in the book of Acts. But you also know that I'm a musician. And as a musician, my mind went back about 50 years. And I thought about a song. It was not a Christian song. And I want to give you about 40 seconds of it. Now, listen to me. It's not about the style. It's not about the song. It's not about the music. It's not about the artist. I want you to hear the lyrics, about 40 seconds of it. those lyrics there's a new world coming and it's just around the bend there's a new world coming because this one's coming to an end and there's a new voice calling you can hear it if you try and it's growing stronger every day that passes by by the way that song ends with a better refrain than that, there's a new world coming, one that we've had visions of, and it's coming in peace, coming in joy, coming in love. Now, I doubt very seriously that Barry or Cynthia, when they penned these lyrics, or Cass, when she recorded the song, understood, had any idea of the prophetic nature of those words. But when I sensed the leadership toward and that came to my mind, and I thought that today as we began, that we needed to be ready. That's the title of the message today, be ready for this new world that's coming, this whole new world. Now, I want to be clear for those who might misunderstand. Those who wrote and sang that song, 
did not have any spiritual emphasis in their heart and mind. In those days, the thought leaders thought that we could make this world a better place. In fact, I got to thinking about it. It came along a little later, but, it, but the thought back then was that we could make the world a better place for you and me. It's kind of a, of a we are the world thinking, and that's flawed. And that's flawed, and if you take issue with that, you just can. But here's what I'm going to tell you. All you have to do is observe the world around us today to know that they didn't bring anything better. We can't offer anything better. That if we need something better, it has to be Jesus. Because this world is eating itself up. It's destroying itself. It's, it's, it's uh, disintegrating before our very eyes, if you will. And it reminds me of... Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, when I think of Sodom and Gomorrah, those two cities, and today I'm kind of overwhelmed by the doctrine of hell. And the reason I'm, I'm, the reason this always catches my attention is because there are so many people, there might be some people in this room who do not believe in the doctrine of hell. And as I, as I began to study and this began to roll in my mind, I, I, as I was praying, I got so disturbed about, about the people who dismissed the doctrine of hell that I'm just going to tell you what I did, and you're going to smile and thank God, that I sat there and I wrote three paragraphs that were extended for this message on nothing but hell. And I decided that would wait for another message. But I want to tell you two things about hell. Two things about hell. And I don't know what... You'd be surprised at the number of people that don't believe really in hell the way that the Bible teaches. Here's the first one is, you don't get to make the rules. Neither do I. God does. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. He describes hell. He just talks about it being eternal and everlasting. And the second thing that I want to tell you about hell is that you can't take your Bible and disprove the doctrine of hell. Now, you may not like it. You may not believe it. You may not think it's true. I'm just going to remind us, and I'll keep this in front of us as long as I'm your pastor. What you believe does not impact truth one way or another. You see, when I, when I read this, my heart, my heart just breaks for the folks that don't believe in hell. You know, you know why? Because if you don't believe in hell, you can't be saved. You've got to be lost before you can be saved. Did you know that? If you're not lost, in fact, it's a, it's a human trait. The only way we will make a change in our life is when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. If you want to get rid of hell out of your life and out of your belief system, the only way you can do it is with your emotions and your heart. Well, Brother Jerry, I trust my heart. Well, that's fine. Trust it again back to the Bible. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. You see, the Lord has a word for us. 
And that is the word life through Jesus. He doesn't want us to go to hell. In fact, if there's anyone in this room who winds up in that place called hell, you need to hear this. You will go, you will go to hell over Jesus' dead body. But for those who follow and love and serve and trust and lean on Jesus, there is a new world coming. It's a new world indeed. It's a, a new world in so many ways. And let me just let me just walk these ways. There's a lot of new worlds. Obviously, in the Revelation we can we can read where one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, which is the reason we don't put investments here. We don't invest a lot here because we're just pilgrims passing through. And whether we're pilgrims passing through or not, this old earth is going to pass away one day. There's only two roads. There's only two gates. There's only two ways. And the one that seems right to a man, the Bible says two times in Proverbs, it leads to death. So that's one new world in the end. You can move that forward, Ben. We'll be fine. But then there's also a new world that when people like us, as a church family, experience a movement of God like we experienced this last week. We experience Him up close and personal. If you or I have experienced Him... In a new way, it will open our eyes to a whole new world. I don't know why I've got songs on my mind. A whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. But here's what I want to tell you, brothers and sisters. To whom much is given, much is required. No one encounters the living Lord without walking away with something new in their life. If you experience him, something new will happen. Our new world is this. We had four days and we had five services of mountaintop experiences. And now it's our task to take this whole new world. Oh, yes, we can enjoy living in it, but we don't bask in it and go to sleep. We share it with others, with those around us. You know why? For their soul's sake. For the sake of eternity. Now, I've given you two new worlds, but now I want you to think about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a whole new world. Now, let me just take one, just a few more minutes to kind of catch you up here about the context of what we're about to read. In Malachi, the last words we read of Malachi is a warning of God's impending judgment. It's the last part of Malachi. And God, God gives us this judgment, this warning about judgment from heaven. And then for the space of 400 years, there is silence from heaven. It's kind of like mom and dad saying to you, that's your last opportunity, and then they walk away and shut up. Didn't you always get nervous when your mom and dad shut up and didn't say anything else? For 400 years, the Jewish people prayed, and they sought. They were looking for a deliverer that was promised back in Genesis. They were looking for the Messiah, but there was no sound from heaven. It was silent. It was a dark, dark period. But then things changed. 
Then Jesus was born. A few years later, Jesus began his ministry. It was great. And then Jesus was killed. Jesus was buried. And then Jesus rose from the grave. They had him back. Can you see how every step along the way, it was a new world when there was no sound from heaven. It was a new world when Jesus was born. It was a new world when Jesus began to minister. It was a real new world when Jesus was killed and buried. But now Jesus has risen from the dead. As we get to Acts chapter 1, he's risen from the dead. They have him back. Things are going to be different. It's a whole new world. we got Jesus with us. And then Jesus is talking about leaving again. And we have to be ready for that when his bodily presence is in heaven. And he sends a comforter. Dr. Luke was not one of the original 12, but he was a very closely connected. And he was an investigative reporter. The first thing that he wrote was the, the Gospel of Luke. And if you read the first couple of verses there, he's writing this. He's done his investigation. God inspired him because he was a good investigative reporter, and he did his investigation. And, and it says many people have attempted to do this. Oh, Theopolis, that was his friend. And he's, and he's writing these two letters, both volumes, Luke and now Acts, to his friend Theopolis. So let's stand together, if you will, to, to honor the reading of God's word. We will read verses 1, 2, And three, about being ready for a whole new world. It says, I wrote the first narrative, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's Luke right there. Until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered... He also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking, or you get this now, about the kingdom of God. There's the whole new world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how it speaks to our heart. I pray that you will take these words today and that you will burn them deep into our soul that we can live in your whole new world with your inspiration, with your Holy Spirit that people will see you in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I read the book of Acts, it's all about this whole new world. They were expecting Jesus to be there. They were expecting him to, to, now that he's back to life, they were expecting him to stay with them. But, but Jesus had other plans. He knew what had to happen. He, was, he and his father were on the same page. I want you to hear about the, this whole new world that we live in. I'm going to give you four thoughts this morning. First thought is, this world is produced, this new world is produced by none other than Jesus Christ himself. It's the world that he's called us to live in. It's the word he's, world he's called us to be a part of. It was in the Garden of Eden when mankind, when mankind decided they knew better than God. Sounds like Adam and Eve were Baptists. They decided that they knew better than God. 
And so they disobeyed him and they brought sin and they brought death into the world. The darkness of sin covered mankind and all creation. But God had promised to send one who would redeem us, who would deliver us, who would make us right before him. And God delivered on his promise. Galatians 4 says this. It's not up there. You can just write it down. Galatians 4, 4 says... At just the right time, in the fullness of time, when time was completed, when time was filled, at just the right time, God sent Jesus. And he was born of a woman. He was born under the law to redeem those under the law. This means apart from Jesus, humanity is condemned. This means apart from Jesus, humanity has no hope. That means you had no hope. That means I had no hope. That means the world had no hope until Jesus came. Brother, Jerry, Brother Gary did his best to convey this to us this week. That Jesus is the only way. I already said this, but I'm going to repeat it. Before you will ever be saved and live in his new world, You must come to the place that you are lost. Without ever coming to the place that you are lost, you will never trust Christ. Do you know why? It is because of the arrogance and the pride of humanity. We're not going to surrender to anyone. It is in the coming of Jesus into your life, into your heart, and into this world that the old world passes away and the new world begins with Jesus. Are you living in that new world? We just went through a week of hearing God speak almost every service. Did he speak to you? You know, I... I, I, You know my heart, I don't care to be a condemning preacher, but never. But I also don't want to be a condoning preacher. The message is clear, and Baptists haven't picked up on it yet. Just because we sit in a pew every Sunday doesn't mean that we're headed to heaven. Just because we teach Sunday school doesn't mean we're headed to heaven. Just because we preach sermons or sing songs doesn't mean we're headed to heaven. It is only when Jesus comes into our lives and he takes us out of this old world, he takes away the darkness, and he gives us the light. That's when life really changes. That new world that Jesus created, that he produced, that he's the Lord of, that's the world he wants us to be in. Everybody. It's produced by Jesus. He produced it by his death on the cross. He produced it by his perfect life. He produced it. Are you listening? We're going to get there because he resurrected from the grave, bud. The new world is produced by Jesus. It's what, it is what Luke talked about when he said about all that Jesus began to do and teach. It's produced by Jesus. Second thing from our text that I would tell you about this new world is powered 
by the Holy Spirit. It's powered by the Holy Spirit. Now I said that right here in front of God there by the Holy Spirit. How I wish, how I wish we could unlearn some of the concepts we have about the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power for living in the new world. It is the Holy Spirit that powers us to be able to share our faith without the presence and the power and the filling and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We are but pray for the evil one. There are people that always can't quit something. I can't seem to quit. I can't seem to quit cussing. I can't seem to quit smoking. I can't seem to quit drinking. I can't seem to quit telling off-color jokes. I can't seem to quit getting angry. I can't seem to quit being prideful. I just can't seem to quit. Well, can I just give you a message today? I'm going to take you off the hook. You can't. He never said you could. He can. He always said he would if you let him. It is the Holy Spirit of God that changes us from what we used to be to what we are in this new world. And this new world is filled with new people who are saved. And I loved, and I love Brother Gary's term here, saved and fully surrendered. Who are filled with the Spirit to the point they trust His leadership and His help. And his direction. Some of us, let's just be honest, we're just home folk. Some of us in this room will not dare share Christ with someone at work. And the reason is, they've seen us at work. They've heard the stories we tell. They know what our favorite joke is. They know how we live. Brother Jerry, are you picking on us? No, I'm just telling you what I've experienced in my life. First church. Chairman of Deacons. Mark's not here. Enough Deacons here. Don't take offense. Chairman of Deacons worked at a particular place. We had a guest. I was the music director. I went to see the, this person. I'll never forget it. I left here at 20 years old. So I was 20 or 21 there. And I sat down. I said, well, we're glad to have you visiting last Sunday. He said, yeah. He said, you know, I work with. And he called the name of our chairman of deacons. I said, yeah. He said, he's your chairman of deacons. I will not be back. I said, I'm sorry. He goes, man's got a mouth of a sailor. You see... What we do out there reflects on him up there and us in here. You see, our life, our lives carry power. You see, if that's you, I know you'd never admit it publicly, that's fine, but if that's you in your heart of hearts, don't panic. Here's what, I, here's what you need to do. You need to confess that sin to Christ. You need to give it to him and he'll forgive you. 
You need to ask him to clean you up and then fill you to the overflow with his spirit. And you go, Brother Jerry, then do I go tell everybody? No. No. Let me tell you what you do. You ask God to come fill you, and then you start trusting his leadership in your life. You start living like he's called you to live, saying what he's called you to say, and and turn away from that. You know what happened? Over the course of time, they will look at you and they'll go, Jason, what happened to you? I mean, you're not the person I used to know. And you go, maybe the Lord's finally doing something in my life. You see, that's the whole new world. You see, we, we, when we get filled with the Spirit, we can trust Him for His instruction. It speaks of His instruction through the Holy Spirit in this text. His instruction. You speak of it, and, and you can follow His guidance, and you can accept His help. And the life change will be as natural as you can imagine and as natural as you want it to be. But it will only begin, New Hope, folks, at the point we decide to be powered by the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Have you ever seen somebody just drunk? Now, I'm going to confess my sin to you. Not that I've ever been drunk. But I have seen people drunk, particularly when I was young, and I just back off in the corner and watch them and just laugh. Because they're not acting like themselves. Are y'all with what I'm telling you? They're not acting like you know why? Because they're not controlling themselves. The alcohol is controlling them. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't be drunk with alcohol so that so that it controls you, but be filled up to the overflow with the Spirit so He will control you. That's all He's saying. Trust Him. As far as I can tell is that when we decide to take our lives in our own hands, that means we're really not trusting our Lord. The new world is a world that's produced by Jesus, by his life and death and resurrection, by his words. It's powered by the Holy Spirit that he sent to us in Acts chapter 2. He's trying to get these, this 500, this 500 that's on the Mount of Ascension, he's trying to get these guys on board and ready for what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit falls. So it's produced by Jesus and it's powered by the Holy Spirit. But the third thing that I'd say to you, it's proven by the resurrection. Every Easter I enjoy saying this. If you can disprove the resurrection, you can dismantle Christianity. Everything hovers around the resurrection. The tombs of Mohammed and Buddha and John Smith and all the others are occupied. But the tomb of Jesus is empty. That's the power today. And that proves so many things. You know, when I mention life change, sadly, too often, people come to the altar and they think all that Christianity is is a behavior modification, it's life change. When we come to Christ, life does change. 
But it's not outside in, it's inside out. But when I mention life change, too often I hear excuses. And those excuses, man, I, I can't do this, I won't, I, and just, they can all, if you put them all in a barrel, and I'm all, this is a saying that my mamma up in North Marion County used to say, you put them all in a barrel, you shake them up, and when you pour them out, they come out in about two, in two uh, uh, categories. I can't, I can't, I can't. The two categories are unbelief and distrust. So now let's get a perspective on this. Jesus was killed. He was buried. And he was resurrected. Now I want to say that again because I don't want to make sure there's no confusion. Jesus was killed. He was buried. And he was resurrected. Now, I want to ask you a rhetorical question. Would you agree that life from death is a new mindset? Would you agree with that? I mean, in our world today, have you guys ever heard of anybody coming back from the dead? Anybody? No. It goes the other direction. Much as we don't want it to. We go from life to death, not from death to life. So Jesus inverted humanity, and he went from death to life. It's a whole new world. It's, it's, if human beings could overcome death, we would be in a whole new world. Would you agree with that statement? Whether you would or not, you know it's right. Because death is the last enemy of mankind. It's the thing that causes the most fear in the most people. It's the enemy that we can't defeat. It's something that we can't get out of our minds because we're knowing that it's coming. It's something we can't even get our minds around. Now, the Bible helps us with this, but too often, too often we are where everybody else is. But if we as human beings, as as human beings, if we would Defeat death, would you agree that it would change the scorecard of your thinking? If we could defeat death, it just, well, guess what? Praise God, Jesus changed the scorecard. Because he showed us how to come back from the dead. He came back from the dead so that he could bring us back from spiritual death. Spiritual death of sin. He could place us in his whole new world. His resurrection is what did this. No longer does death triumph. No longer does the grave win. No longer are we people without hope. No longer do we have to walk in fear. The power of the resurrection is what causes us to have the power of life. We can live in this new world. We can run in this new world. We can dance in this new world. We can have joy in this new world. It's a new world that Jesus put together for you and for me and for every person who comes to him by faith. But there's one last thing that I want to say. In this new world, 
there's a place for you. There's a place for you. Oh, Brother Jerry, this is an old message. Well, it may be an old message, but you know what I'm discovering? That a lot of people are missing the old message. Somebody said that they asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And he spread his arms and said this much, and he bowed his head and died. Today he takes those nail-scarred hands and he extends them to us. Just like we have so many cute babies and young people here, just like you do mom and dad, grandparents, when you extend those arms to your baby and invite them to come into your arms for safety and love and protection and security. Jesus extends those nail-scarred hands and he says, come home. He says, come home. And as you look at his nail-scarred hands, nail-scarred feet, here's what you know. He did this for you. He didn't do all of this for you so that we could sit in a warm building with friends. He didn't do all this for you so we could have a great fellowship hall or great music. He did this for you so that you could be in his whole new world. He says, I produced it. Sent the Holy Spirit to give it power. My resurrection proves it's real. I did it all for you. Truth is, years ago, the Oak Ridge Boys, when they were singing gospel music, recorded and sang a song that still speaks to me today. The verse begins, Once a man who we know as the Son of God hung upon a cruel tree. He suffered pain like no mortal man. He took my place. He did it all for me. You see, Jesus did it all for you and for me. As he set up this new world for us to be a part of, for us to live in. And he invites us there. Let's pray together.